You're listening to episode number three of the Heart and Hustle podcast. We're your hosts, Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman. Today, we are so excited to be bringing you the very first guest to this podcast, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jordan is the author of the national bestselling book, Own Your Every Day, which has also been named a best book to read to be a better person in 2019 by Inc. Magazine. She's a fellow podcaster and hosts the Top Rated She podcast. Her mission is to equip women with the tools they need to live purposefully and reach their greatest potential. Jordan has also been featured in Thrive Global, 30 Under 30 Success Magazine, Forbes, and the Hallmark Channel. Jordan, or Jay as we like to call her, made up her own job title by referring to herself as a multi-passionate authorpreneur. (laughs) She's a three on the Enneagram and is happily married to her college sweetheart, Matt. The two are now business partners who work side-by-side from their farmhouse in the Indiana countryside with their dog, Hoosier. In this episode, Jordan dives into what it looks like to navigate your career as someone with multiple passions, how to even know where to start, and how to navigate the business and financial world as a Christian. We can't wait for you to hear her truth bombs and take away tangible tips on turning a passion into a profitable business and how to handle that profit from a biblical mindset. So if you're ready to get mega inspired, then let's go. You're listening to the Heart and Hustle podcast with Evie Rupp and Lindsay Roman, two photographers turned entrepreneurs and founders of the Heart University. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a motivated dreamer wanting to make the most of your life, this podcast is for you. Each week, Evie and Lindsay bring you actionable tools to uplevel your business and life. So if you're ready to step up to the plate and pursue your God-given potential, you're in the right place. You're ready to live your life and run your business to its fullest? Then buckle up, because here are your hosts, Evie and Lindsay. Hey guys, welcome to the Heart and Hustle podcast. We are so stoked today to have one of our really good friends, Jordan Lee Dooley, on. Jordan, we are so stoked. You are the very first guest on the Heart and Hustle podcast. Um, So welcome to the show. Wait, what? I didn't know I was the first. This is such an honor, you guys. Thank you. You are the first. You're going to be episode number three. Oh my gosh. And you you know what? Three is a special number in my heart because I was married on the third of the month in September. And so, you know what? This is just meant to be. (laughs) Perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, we wanted to start off just by kind of, Jordan, we wanted to share or have you share how you met, how we got connected um, and then what brought us to kind of just being like business besties. Yes. Okay. (laughs) This is the funniest story because you know, like those little divine moments where things just happen and you're like, I I don't know how a very small decision has led to such an awesome thing. Um, But I remember a couple years ago now, I got this email from this girl named Lindsay and my assistant forwarded on to me. She's like, Hey, this might be awesome because my husband and I were planning on going on vacation in Hawaii. And we got this email and this photographer with like so much just zest for life and courage. And like, you just reached out. We had never connected before. And you were like, Hey, I see that you and your husband are planning to come to Hawaii. You like, I talked about it on my Instagram story and you were like, I'd love to meet up and fly to the Island that you're at and do a free photo shoot for you. Um, and just get pictures for you and your husband. And you know, you were building your portfolio. And I immediately as somebody who has done photography in the past, like a couple years prior to that, I did wedding photography and also have been kind of a serial entrepreneur in many different ways. I was like, I appreciate one, that this girl is putting herself out there like this. And you were like, I love that you love Jesus too. And we talked about that. And you were like, just so like, go get it. Like, Hey, I want to, you know, 
shoot this influencer and I want to, you know, just go for it. And then I was like, uh, I need free photos. So that'd be awesome. And we did it. And then you came to Kauai and we hung out with our husbands uh, on a boat <laughs> on the Nepal on coast, a- which was <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and I just remember like, I freaking love this girl and we're going to be friends for a while. And I'm so glad that she had the, the courage and the willingness to reach out and to make it happen and to come and take her time. And, you know, it was just, it was such a testament of what it looks like to put yourself out there to serve someone, you know, and to grow your business too. And I've loved those photos ever since. And then from there, obviously got connected with Evie and we've now have group texts. And I feel like I'm like, how have I never known? How did I not know these girls before? But anyways, I just, I love the courage that you showed, the hustle that you showed, but also the friendship that you've shown me and the support you both have given me over the last couple of years. So it is an honor to be here. That is so awesome. I, I remember when I sent that email I think it was legit like the day after Christmas or something ridiculous because I got your autoresponder for like, hey, I'm it's called the holidays. I'm not responding to you. <laughs> and then literally like three hours later, you were like, hey, yes. Want to get dr- dinner afterward? Of course. And I was like, this is awesome. She yes. is the real deal. <laughs> it was great. Well, we love you, Jordan. And we are so freaking excited to have you on the podcast today. Uh, not only are you like one of our favorite people and like fellow businesswomen on this planet, but you have so, so, so much wisdom and knowledge to share. Mm-hmm. So we're so excited for our listeners and audience to be able to glean from that and hear from you. Um, So to start us off, we want to hear, just give us a little bit of background on like, what has your career path looked like? Like, how did you get to where you are today? Okay. So you know how sometimes you think someone's career path is like this lovely little line. It's like point A to point B. No, mine looks more like a tangled ball of yarn. So if anyone else ever feels like their path is very nonlinear, that's been my story. And I think um, over the last year, I've really owned that. I found that it's actually very beneficial to own that. For, For a long time, I felt like I had to like do things in pockets and not talk about all the different things I did because it seemed confusing. But now I'm like, I actually think that's a lot of women's stories. So maybe if I can paint that in a more positive light and position it as something something that's good. Uh, More people would be willing to take the risk and go for things in their life and find their path that way. So the short version of the story is I was still a college student, was not not at all thrilled with my degree. I was studying healthcare administration, very much on my way out, finishing up that degree, much too late to change my major, but not at all thrilled with it. And I remember I had a conversation with my mom and I said, mom, I don't know if I want to like do this with my life. And I remember thinking like, she's going to be so mad. Like I just spent four years of my life and, you know, time and money and everything getting this degree. But my mom's awesome. And she just kind of looked at me and she's like, okay, so don't. That was her response. And I remember thinking, don't take jobs, like don't have a career. Okay. That seems like the worst mom advice in the world. But my mom also being an entrepreneurial woman, a creative woman, she's very much like me, very multi-passionate, has had success in various industries from uh, language education to health, to engineering and everything in between. Um, you know, she was like, look, the right thing's going to happen. Just try some stuff. Try some things that interest you. You're, you have a little time left in school. Use this as an opportunity to figure out what you like or what you might what, me, what you might be interested in. And I've always been very creative. I've always been, you know, a storyteller, a writer. I teach my stuffed animals, you know, as a kid and play make believe. And so uh, <laughs> it was great. Uh, but that ultimately led to trying a variety of things. But at one point, the first thing that really stuck was I opened an Etsy store. And actually, prior to doing an Etsy store, I was doing hand lettering and I would make signs for friends, you know, my mom's friends' homes or sorority sisters, older sisters' weddings or things like that. 
And eventually my boyfriend, now my husband, he said, hey, you should start an Etsy store. And so I was like, you know what? Yeah, that'd be fun. And he was saying it because he thought I needed a creative outlet. He's like, you're good at this handwriting thing. You should just have a creative outlet outside of school because you work so hard. Me being an Enneagram 3 total achiever, didn't know that at the time because Enneagram wasn't cool then. Um, But I was like, you know, I was like, oh no, like we're going to make this a full blown thing. Right. And I have this production going on upstairs in my sorority house. I've got like recruiting, you know, roommates and friends, paying them in free pizza, asking them to help me package and ship. And I take this thing from being a little, you know, fun little side hustle to being like, I'm making bank as a college kid. You know, I'm like, this is awesome. Um, but then it got to the point where I was like getting ready to graduate and, or maybe I'd already graduated actually. And I was trying to do a lot more of it on my own. I no longer had, you know, a hundred women in a house helping me. And so at that time I had also added a blog to my shop because I had seen that being kind of a trendy thing in the small shop space. And so thankfully because of that, I was able to start creating more and more content online kind of stepped into the blogging sphere, Um, still had the shop, but very much downsized it, downscaled it. I don't know the right right word for that, but you know what I mean. Um, And then eventually it got to a point where it was a lot because I was getting married. My husband was pursuing a dream in the NFL and I thought I cannot manage all of this myself. I was doing all the returns. I was doing all the, you know, customer service, all the product creation, all of it was everything. And so basically I said, what could I do that you know, I might be able to still be flexible with so I can move to wherever my husband or soon to be husband could be signed to or playing, you know, football. So that's when I picked up a camera because I was in addition to doing the blog in the shop, I was also working for a wedding venue uh, because I was in that kind of wedding season myself and offered them social media and web marketing services because I had learned how to do that for my own small little business. And they needed some help in that department as a bride shopping around. I thought their website needs a facelift. Their social media is non-existent. And so I took up social media marketing and really learned the ropes of that even more doing it for another business. And while I was there on site, ended up doing a lot of photography because I needed to get images for the site, for the, you know, Instagram pages, for the Facebook pages. So that kind of stumbled me into a career of wedding photography, which is when I really closed the shop down for a season because it was way too many things did wedding photography for a while, still continue to write and blog. I shared a lot about my faith and my relationships. I had a couple posts go viral. That led to opportunities to speak. I would go speak on college campuses. Had a stint of two years where I pretty much felt like I was doing college tours, speaking on college campuses a lot. That led to a lot of requests to write devotionals. And so I wrote a college devotional, self-published that. It was kind of like a discussion guide for women that still exists. Um, and did some other, dabbled in some other devotional type projects and kind of built that out for a while. Ended up eventually putting photography down, but continue to just grow in this kind of creative, entrepreneurial, uh, faith-focused, but multi-faceted, very all-over-the-place career, just picking up what fit for that season and learning the skill, developing an expertise, using my social media marketing skills that I have been developing for the last six or so years, and applying it to whatever I was doing. And then I eventually reopened the shop, you know, had a sweatshirt line, that exploded. So then I had the shop business again. And that eventually led to publishing books. And I recently released a book. And now I've recently opened an online uh, education center and set down some of the other things that I was doing to ultimately teach others how to have success in these variety of areas. So it has been a very, and that is the, that's the short version. So if you wanted the long version, like, can you imagine? But that's, I mean, it's been a very multifaceted space or multifaceted journey. And in many ways it can be overwhelming, but in so many ways I'm like, but I mastered photography and I still use that for, you know, my social media and my content and my blog and my podcast. So yeah, by the way, launched a podcast a year ago too. So, you know, it's like, but all these things have 
uh, as as many as many of them have seemed random, uh, they really all fit together into this puzzle very nicely, and it makes so much sense as to why you know doing the social media marketing completely fits what I do now. Or writing the devotional four years ago has totally fit. You know, now writing a trade book and publishing a book and speaking on college campuses allowed me to really know how to speak it for a podcast, and it all really worked out. But it was just a variety of just trying stuff, just like my mom said when I was a, a senior in college and trying to figure out what I was doing with my life. <laughs> Phew. Yeah. That was. <laughs> Your story, I love it so much because I think you've done everything under the sun. <laughs> nearly. And I think so many people can relate to your story, whether it's like they're relating to one aspect of your story Mm -hmm. or relating to just being multi-passionate and having a bajillion loves and interests Mm -hmm. and kind of navigating how to make a career out of one or any or all of them. Yeah. Um, And so you've done like so, so many pivots in your career. Like you've been an Etsy shop owner, you've been a blogger, a product shop owner, you did devotional digital products. Now you're a speaker and an author, and Mm -hmm. now you're stepping into business education. So how did you think that like each of those steps, how do you think each of them led to the next phase? Mm -hmm. You know, I think one thing that my husband often reminds me, because I am like the master pivoter in that I've always kind of added and subtracted things as the season allowed. I think part of it is understanding your season of life, because there was a time where I could just sit in a sorority closet and package, you know, 200 items and eat pizza all the time. And then I got to a season of life where that wasn't so possible. And so sometimes pivoting is just your life forcing you into doing something more sustainable or that fits what you're doing. And you just kind of have to own that. And other times it's, it's more of a calling or a desire in your heart that says, okay, it's time to grow into this next step because of X, Y, and Z, you know, what I've learned or what's required of me right now. Um, but the way I often describe it, and there's an art to it, you don't just like hard right turn. And no matter how carefully you try to do it, you will always have some who don't understand. But the biggest thing that I've learned in the freedom that comes with allowing yourself to grow in your career and not being confined. You know that, do you guys remember, I don't know if you were high school musical fans, but I feel like this was kind of our era. Yes. Like, okay, yes. you, know, you know that song, Stick to What You Know? And it's like, yes. basically what that's no, no, doing. No, 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 stick, stick to the status quo. Oh, uh, yeah. And I'm like over here like, freaking don't stick to the status quo, okay? Like, that's the worst song ever. <laughs> because basically what it's doing, it's saying, stay in the box that everyone else is comfortable with you being. And if you're a basketball player, you stay that. And don't you dare try theater because that's like, just stick to what you know, right? Stick to the status quo. Don't don't ruffle feathers. Don't get outside your box. And I'm over here like, you weren't born for a box. Like your life is a path to yes. walk on. It's a path to so walk good. on, not a box to sit in. But so many people are sitting in boxes and miserable with their lives because they're not allowing themselves to open the door and take the next step. And so for me, I go, okay, let's first, you know, always give ourselves the freedom to pivot, but now let's figure out how we do it well. And I think the best way to do it well is to do it over time. You make subtle transitions. And the way I describe it is if you're if your community, your client base, whatever you're doing is in the back of a pickup truck and you take a hard right 90 degree turn out of like all of a sudden, they're all going to fly out of the back. But if you can take a wide, slow turn, they're going to be able to walk with you and to experience that transition with you. And maybe one or two will get out because they don't want to go that direction. But overall, they're not going to be flying out the back, right? So thinking of it in that way, I mean, every pivot I've made has been over the course of three months to 12 months or 15 months. I don't just drop things immediately. So that's kind of been the art of it and and how I've had to juggle it at each step of those pivots, but it's been really worth it. That's so good. And I think that's so important for people to understand as entrepreneurs, as just people walking through life. Like it's you can have so many different dreams and different passions, um, but understanding that there's actually some strategy behind pivoting between those two, I think 
a lot of multi-passionate entrepreneurs or just entrepreneurs in general sometimes don't understand that because we can be big dreamers. And mm-hmm. so we get this idea and we're like, I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we end up crashing and burning and slowly getting burnt out on these big ideas that we have, which I feel so often with our students or with people that mm-hmm. I've talked to they end up getting scared and just wanting to like pull that lid over that box over them and just stay with where they are because they've tried to step out and they've gotten completely burnt on doing it because they haven't realized that there's actually needs to be thought and strategy and intention behind those pivots. So I love, love, love that. And I've learned that Um, the hard way. I've done it the wrong way. There's been multiple times and even still at my very best efforts, there's times I question it, you know, and I think there comes a point too, where you do need to have that courage of like, okay, I have to rip the bandaid off at some point, but at the mm-hmm. same time, it's it's trying to do it in the very best way and as slowly and steadily and as honestly as you possibly can, knowing full well that not everyone's always going to understand and your job isn't to make everyone happy. So this it is this careful balance of owning what you need to do next, but doing it in the best way you can and understanding you're probably going to not do it perfectly because you're a human. Giving yourself a little bit of grace is really, really important too. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I love yes. that. Um, so Jordan, based on like how many pivots you've made and like learning, you know, the strategy behind those, do you feel like you really took away specific lessons from almost like each separate phase that you were kind of in, like from, you know, the college student sorority girl packaging stuff for your Etsy shop all the way now to being like a national bestselling author and business educator? Like, do you feel like each phase taught you different things or has it all been like completely linked and together? Do you have thoughts on that? I think a little bit of both. Um, I think each phase prepared me for the next phase, even though, you know, I don't know. I often talk about this phrase genius zone. And I say that because everywhere I feel like we listen to online or on Pinterest or whatever, it tells you to pursue your passions. And I think that's a good message, but I think it's sometimes missing something. And so I often talk about a genius zone, which is um, what I love about it is that it's not limiting in that it doesn't say genius point, right? So if you think of a zone, if you think of a strike zone in baseball, there are multiple points at which the baseball could uh, land when the pitcher throws it or come to, and, and the batter could still hit it, right? It's within the strike zone. But there may be one or two spots that are really a sweet spot for the batter that if they hit that ball in that spot, it's a home run every time right? So when we think of our lives and on our pivots that way, the way that I often view it and the way that I kind of talk about it is if you can think, if you can operate within your genius zone, then what you're going to find is as much as, like I just described in the beginning of our conversation, in many ways, my, my career path feels a little bit more like a tangled ball of yarn than a really straight shot. And everyone's different in that way. But the reality is, is everything I was doing in those different phases were within my general genius zone. I just needed to hone it a little bit more to understand my sweet spot. Creativity, social media marketing, uh, communication, writing, like those skills were in every single one of those things. It, It was in my photography business. It was in developing a podcast. It was in growing a sweatshirt brand. So it's not that one of those topics per se was the thing. And I think that's where we get so stuck and why I feel so passionate talking about this is because a lot of the time, it's not necessarily the topic, whether it was when I was doing Bible journaling or sweatshirts or photography, those are topics. But the underlying skills that were honed and developed and acquired and required to accomplish those things, to try those things and do those things, were 
there was a lot of overlap. And so that's why I go, oh, I could educate others on these skills. And it all kind of has come together very organically because I took out the topic of what I was doing and I focused on the skill and the skill set that I developed as a result of those different phases. And it's all really come together very clearly to be able to enable others to really find their underlying skills and apply them appropriately. Does that make sense? Mm. That makes so much sense. You are preaching fire over here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we get caught up in those topics that we get stuck like, oh, I'm just a photographer. But it's like, no, you know, and I, I, as I look at every phase, I I go, well, photography totally played into what I was doing in social media marketing. And, you know, it's totally played into running a shop too. So what's the overlap here? And how can I focus on what's overlapping? Because that's really where I'm going to hit a sweet spot. That's so good. Well, and I think there's so many people out there that they're in the same spot of like, I have a a bunch of different passions. I have a bunch of different dreams and they don't know how to tackle it. And they don't understand that like a lot of the dreams can have underlying like underlying skills Mm -hmm. that can be used for like multiple Mm -hmm. of those. Mm -hmm. Um, So I want to ask you, what is your advice if you were to speak to somebody who is super multi-passionate, maybe just graduated college, like a young girl that loves a bunch of different things and she has passions and she wants more for her life, but she doesn't know where to even start. Mm -hmm. Like she just feels lost. And it's like, you want your life to mean something. You want to do something awesome, but you just are like, how do I even get there? What would you say to her? Um, to like the girl with like 5 million passions? Yeah. The first thing I would say is you don't have to monetize every single passion. And I think as many, as much as that was a good thing in many ways, because I learned all these different industries, it also made it very difficult to really find what it is that I want to do. So I always, I I was told this example and I'm going to share it with you and then I'll give a very tangible piece of advice, but think of a visual. I speak in football language because of my husband's football background. So imagine you're on the, uh, you're on basically, you're in the end zone, okay, of a football field. And in that end zone, there are 10 medicine balls. Think of every one of those medicine balls as being a passion or an interest or an idea that you have. The task, if you're working out, if you're training for football is to carry every single one of those medicine balls to the other end zone. Okay. Get all 10 of them to the other end zone. There's no time limit. The goal is just to get every single one of them there. Well, what did we do a lot of the time is when we have multiple interests and multiple passions, we pick up one, we carry it about 20 yards. We set it down. We go back to get another one. We carry that one about 12 yards, set it down, go back to get another one, carry that one about 40 yards, drop it, go get the next one. And we keep doing this. And then none of the medicine balls are in the end zone and the task doesn't get complete. And we have all these medicine balls all over the field and now we're overwhelmed, right? We haven't actually completed the task. And so when I heard that visual, I thought, okay, I need to start thinking about what medicine ball do I want to carry to the end zone first? Okay. And what's my path? Because the reality is you can carry every single one of these 10 things, but you cannot carry them all at once. There's no way I can carry 10 medicine balls at one time to the other end zone. Right? So when I am talking to someone who's in the position that you just described, or maybe who's transitioning out of a business model or out of a career, but has no idea what she wants to do next. And is like, I like this. And I like that. And I have 15 million medicine balls, AKA passions or ideas. What I say is which one is the most marketable, And where can you cross that with what's most meaningful to you? So what happens is a lot of people will say something like, oh, I'm excited and passionate about yoga or whatever. Okay, but they have no skill sets in yoga. They have no really experience other than taking classes, but they're not certified in it. They don't have a following, so they're not building anything. But I'm going, well, where are your skill sets? And they said, well, I studied interior design. It has nothing to do with my passion. And I go, that's a lie. You have to learn how to creatively say, I'm going to start with this marketable skill that I have, but I'm going to crosswire it with something that's meaningful to me, say dance or yoga or whatever the thing is. So 
Let's make that first focus interior design with the intent that you're going to focus on designing yoga studios or in-home yoga studios or something that has to do yoga, you know, stores that sell yoga uh, or, or design of some sort for that industry. So you don't necessarily have to be doing that one thing. That might be medicine ball number three. But if you can say, where do I have the expertise right now, the training right now, what's most marketable, what's going to make me money so I can get out of college debt, first of all, if that's the scenario we're talking about. Like we also have to look at this practically. And I think sometimes in the business world, especially in the creative female entrepreneur world, it's so like, it's like fairy, airy fairy. It's like chase your passions. And it's like, no, pay your bills. Like you also got to do that. So how can we be very creative um, to focus on, What's the best next step for me to take first? It's not to say I can never go, you know, have my own yoga studio, but that's going to be an undertaking. That's going to probably require you to take out a loan if you don't have the cash flow or have, or grow the cash flow. So you can have longer term goals, but if you have all these ideas, you need to break it down and say, which one's going to get me out of debt or get me the finances I need to then get that medicine ball to the end of the field, maybe combine it with something I'm passionate about and then move on to that next thing. So I don't know if that's helpful, but it's kind of hard to explain without a whiteboard, but that's kind of how I think of things and how I make decisions of what is the next best step, both personally, passion from a passion perspective, from a spiritual perspective. But if I really have uh, a lot of things and a lot of ideas, I need to look at practically what's going to be the best step. Uh, that is so freaking good. Literally, I just spoke fire. <laughs> um, that is powerful. And I think that's so good for people to understand because I think there are either two messages in today's like industry where it's either, you know, you can't pursue multiple passions at once. Mm -hmm. And so then you feel very stuck and that medicine ball starts to like really weigh you down mm -hmm. and you feel like really overwhelmed because you just continue carrying it around mm -hmm. even after you've reached your end goal. Or, you know, people are consistently trying like the analogy that you gave where they're just consistently like picking something up only to drop it, you know, mm -hmm. halfway completed. And then they suddenly look around and have like 5 million things going on and they aren't able to handle all of it. And so they crash and burn. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's so freaking good. And I know that you have so much wisdom and like strategy and knowledge on this topic and just business education in general. Like if you guys haven't already heard this, Jordan is a whiz and a genius at like marketing and strategy and just everything that she has built over all of these years of her different businesses. She knows so much. So I know that you just recently like announced and launched um, your own business education, like brand and umbrella. Can you talk to us a little bit about like the Own It Academy and what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted to create basically a space that brought all of this seemingly random stuff together. Because what happened was I wrote a book, and that allowed me to, for the first time, dig into my own story from start to finish. I worked through um, all the components and saw like, oh my gosh, this book like is the culmination of it. And when I saw the impact of that on so many women who didn't even really understand their own journeys or know what to select from, how much that created clarity for them and how much that helped them really clarify their next best step. I realized like this needs to go a lot further than just what's what you can put in the pages of a book, right? There's a lot that you teach and that you can share and that you can help people with that are beyond what you can write down. You actually have to educate. And so that's kind of where I started to think, hmm, maybe I need to be considering this. I had actually had the idea for something along these lines in 2017, but it felt too early. And if I had jumped into it in 2017, um, it would have been in the middle of a lot of things and it would have required a hard right turn. And so for about two years, I slowly kind of began to inch in that direction, but still steward what I had going on because there were still multiple things. Um, and so when, when I then launched the book and then I went on book tour 
And although I had never really outrightly talked about anything to do with creative business or podcasting or publishing, like I rarely ever taught on that. I had one Pinterest and blogging course come out a few years back, but that was it. So it was never really a focus of what I had done. So I was really surprised to have so many women on book tour come up to me and hand me business cards or write down their website and say, you gave me the courage to start this. Your book and your story and this very nonlinear journey helped me own pieces of my story that I just thought were random and useless. And now I'm doing something with it. And now I'm trying to learn how to grow it. And I had a lot of questions for, do you ever help people with this? And I had done a little bit of one-on-one coaching, but it wasn't something I really ever publicized. And um, so I said, I am not currently, but I really need to revisit that idea I had in 2017. So the Own It Academy is ultimately meant to be an education platform, a, a mentorship platform for everyday women who are trying to either clarify what it is that they want to do, kind of like we just talked about. Um, and then it takes it a step further and will provide eventually uh, a lot more focused resources on specific areas that I'm very much become an expert in from everything from podcasting to launching to e-commerce and those different areas. So it's going to be a thing that I run, but that I also bring on friends of mine that are experts in certain areas as well to provide different perspectives and different teaching. Um, But I'm really excited about it. It's still in the infancy in many ways, but it's very much a culmination. And it really is sweet to see how all of these things I've done now are coming together in an education platform that are kind of an extension of my authorship and podcasting kind of overall brand uh, to really provide those tools for women. Hey, Heart Fam, we had to interrupt this episode real quick to share with you something that's revolutionized our workflow. Everyone always asks Evie and I what the number one investment is that we've made in our businesses. Without a doubt, the best investment we've ever made to get our life and time back is HoneyBook, a client relations management software. We both use HoneyBook every single day and legit could not live without it. It's an all-in-one project management tool that's designed specifically for creative entrepreneurs. I honestly don't know what I would do without HoneyBook. It streamlines everything. Email conversations, client workflow, contracts, invoicing, calendar integration. HoneyBook literally coordinates everything for my business. They thought of everything that a creative entrepreneur could need and combined it all in one place. From templates, brand customization, an app so that you can send invoices while you're on the go, all the way to the little ka-ching sound your phone makes every time you you get paid, aka my favorite part, <laughs> HoneyBook gives you the ability to streamline an excellent client experience from your fingertips so you no longer have to spend 24-7 working in your business and you can finally get back to living your life instead. Guys, we know you're going to love HoneyBook just as much as we do. In addition to a free seven-day trial, we have an exclusive offer just for our podcast listeners. 50% off your first year of HoneyBook. Guys, that's a $200 value. All you have to do is go to share.honeybook.com slash heart and claim your discount. That's share.honeybook.com slash heart. Or you can check out the link in our show notes. That's so awesome, Jordan. I just love like just watching your journey and and pivoting and all of it and just kind of coming to a culmination um, with the Owned Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about before you kind of died into the business education space with the Ona Academy. Like you said, a lot of people weren't, uh, you weren't doing that, but then you started getting questions. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, you actually have a ton of knowledge and mm-hmm. wisdom on owning multiple types of businesses. Um, but before that, you were more known, I think, publicly in like the Christian influencer space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would lo- love to talk with you a little bit about the transition Um from going from like a Christian influencer perspective where people know you mm-hmm. because you're like giving out devotionals mm-hmm. or you're, you're faith-based 
like in the entrepreneur, or your faith based in like the public space, mm-hmm. um, and then pivoting into more of like a business education. Because I think what happens is so many people are like, oh, well, you can't be Christian and make money, <laughs> or you can't be like a like a hardcore entrepreneur and also like have your faith. Mm. Can you like unpack that a little bit? Because I feel like we've personally talked about that a ton and I would love you to just share your wisdom. Absolutely. So this is funny because I think sometimes I remember being having that fear because even though I had done small businesses behind the scenes. And actually when I unpacked my own story, I was like, wait a second, even though I've done so much in kind of the ministry space as well, all of this started because of an Etsy store, not because I was like, I'm going to build, you know, a Bible college or something. And so I kind of went back to my roots a little bit and went back to back to the basics. And I said, what principles have I been applying to all of this? Right. And like it or not, churches have to use business principles. Nonprofits have to use business principles to run a team, to fund things, to everything. I mean, that's just, that's just the bottom line. And so I realized so many of the things that I had done both in the Christian space and, you know, just in the straight up business space, like social media marketing or whatever it was, um, there was a lot of crossover and it kind of, it jolted me one day when I realized, you know, I think there's this weird divide, like, okay, sacred is over here. Secular is over here, but that's not how it is. And I think we often forget that business is biblical. I mean, you can read about that from the Proverbs 31 woman. She sold the work of her hands. She, uh, she made a profit, right? You look at Lydia. She, she was not like, I mean, we often think like, Oh, Christian, like you must not like earn income. Like you said, um, which is crazy because we need Christians in the business sphere. Business is one of the main influencers of culture. I mean, business, arts and entertainment, religion, Mm -hmm. like school, like uh, academia, like there's these seven like pillars that influence and shape culture. And if Christians are like, okay, I'm just going to stay out of the business space because that doesn't seem churchy enough. It's like, we're actually hurting ourselves. And that was a big like Mm -hmm. aha moment that I had. And even like you look at Lydia, she, she was a, Uh, I forgot exactly how they said it, but she basically sold like purple scarves or purple. uh, There was a really fine linen that was like, she's not poor, right? Like she is doing okay, but she is used, she's selling her gifts and her abilities in the marketplace and she's making a contribution to society. And so for me, I would think I was a little bit afraid of the transition because a lot of us have separated those two things in our mind in so many ways. Um, And I think sometimes because of bad business practices, because of unbiblical or, uh, even not even just unbiblical, just bad practices from lack of integrity, lack of character, sliminess, scams. Like we see that in the business space often, right? But you have to be honest, we see that in the church often too, right? We see scandal happen. We see because we're all broken people. So to say like this is holier than that is actually completely wrong and completely unbiblical. And so I had this like realization of there really isn't this divide. And maybe if I can kind of stand in that tension, because what I found is, and as I know you guys have found too, I felt like in the space, like in the church space for women, there really weren't any solid, I mean, all the Christian women that I knew who were doing anything in business were going to look at complete, like completely secular resources because there was nothing that was really helping them move the needle. It felt like everything was 10 years behind. And on the flip side, I felt like in the business space, there was never a space to talk about faith. There was never a space for that. Like it just seemed like that was just completely forgotten about when in reality, if you think about where a lot of these basic principles of integrity with money and investing and being a good investor and all these things, that is all biblically based in so many ways. We've just kind of separated Mm -hmm. the two. So for me, I was like, this really isn't that different. And unfortunately, you know, of course I definitely have people go, Oh, you know, are you going from encourage, are you just not going to encourage women in their faith? And now you're a business coach. And I'm like, you make it sound like I'm going 
from, you know, being a Christian influencer to like selling drugs. <laughs> it's like, it's like these things are not <laughs> like that extremely different, you know? Um, but, but we've made it out to be. So my hope and my prayer was, you know, what, I'm going to stand in that tension of the middle because, and I think, you know, you guys are doing that so well as well, which is why we get along so well. Um, but I'd rather stand in the tension of the middle and have some not understand than to stay safely in one camp and not actually make the impact that was designed to have. Yeah. Mm. I like, Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I, I am so passionate about that too, just because I think, like you said, Jordan, there, there's like the Christian bubble and then there's like the worldly business bubble. And it's like those two never merge. And I think that's, that's why what you're doing is so cool with the Ona Academy and just like your heart to merge those two and stand in that tension because like the Christian world needs good business, <laughs> it needs good business practices, but then the business world like needs somewhere that people can like with faith can step in and be like, Oh, this is my space. Like we need a place to merge those two. So I love that you're creating that and you're talking about that. And I think, you know, what you guys are doing as well. I mean, I I always look at it like this. You don't have to make, I think what happens is when you put the Christian label on something like this is a Christian Academy only, right. Or this is a, it's like, it it suddenly comes under this cloak of like, Oh, okay. So it, it needs to be very like, basically the way I look at it is as Christians, we have two options and we can, you know, we can go solely in that route. And for me, I said, I'd rather show up in the world, in the world, not of the world. And I would rather show up unapologetically as a believer and serve that portion of my community with tools and resources that they desire without necessarily feeling like I am going to have to put this label on it to where it's, it's almost like, it's like, I'm not doing a Christian only welcome kind of thing, but I'm also not going to apologize to you if you don't agree with me. Cause I'm not apologize. I'm not asking you to apologize to me if you don't share my beliefs, right? We're going to coexist here in a way that is, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share with you. I'm going to love you. Like I believe Jesus would ask me to love you. I'm going to equip you in the best way I know how. Um, and if you don't agree with me, that's okay, but you're still welcome here. And I think that's yeah. missing in our culture a lot. It's like, oh, you don't want to, sh- you don't share my beliefs or we, we, ha- we, we, we celebrate diversity so much, but we, we often look at that as diversity in the outside. We have kind of started to get away from diversity of ideology or diversity of belief. And I think that's equally as important when it comes to, when we talk about diversity, it must include diversity of belief, not just diversity of skin color or background. And that's true diversity. And so that's been a big challenge in my heart of how do I show up in these, you know, business spaces that are maybe not outrightly Christian unapologetically with who I am and what I believe and how it shapes how I do business or how I try to do business, right? I'm not batting a hundred every time because I'm a fallen imperfect human. Um, And I want to admit that, but at the same time, how am I, you know, doing that in a way that's really faithful and focused without necessarily being, um, forceful, if that makes sense. And I think there's a fine line to walk and it can certainly be a challenge, but I think that's what, uh, what we're as Christians called to, I think we're called to step into the, to the public square, into the, into the arena, you know, and not necessarily feel like we have to stay in this bubble or that bubble because they really all, if you're, if your faith is truly part of who you are, it's going to infiltrate how you do consulting or how you sell sweatshirts or how you do photography or how you teach others. Mm -hmm. So I think that's been the biggest heart for me when it comes to educating other women. It's like, you don't have to hide that piece of you. Um, but you also don't have to feel like that's holding you back in any way. And if anything, it should propel you forward. If anything, we should be the most excellent at business. If anything, yes. we should be the most uh, ahead in many ways. I don't. I'm like, why does Hollywood and you know these these certain areas have have it figured out? It's like we should be the most excellent in our media, in our decisions, in mm-hmm. our systems, in our businesses. Yes. And if we're not, then how is that an example of Christ in the world? So that's just my my yeah. two cents on it. But um, yeah. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I literally, I am like getting so fired up hearing you talk because this is something that obviously we already, all three of us know, like firmly believe in as like friends, Mm -hmm. but Lindsay and I talk about this constantly in our businesses because I know I get like tons of questions of people being like, how are you, you know, uh, so bold in your faith and your business. And like, I love how you, you know, constantly share like, you know, your relationship with God or whatever. And they ask me questions of like, how, you know, how have you gotten unafraid and like sharing that? And it always boils down to me. It's like, well, I don't think about it. Mm-hmm. Like God and and Jesus is such a central part of my life mm-hmm. and, and my relationship with the Lord is the center of everything else that I'm doing. Yeah. Everything else, it, it motivates and drives me in everything. Mm-hmm. It is my passion behind why I am a business educator. It is like mm-hmm. the center of why I serve my couples the way I do as a wedding photographer. Mm-hmm. It is the center of like why I'm, you know, doing X, Y, and Z. And so it's so natural for it to just flow out mm-hmm. of everything that I'm doing. And when I'm sitting down at a, in a mentor session or Lindsay and I are teaching side by side at a workshop and we're talking about, you know, different mindsets, different business strategies, mm-hmm. the Lord comes up in that, mm-hmm. whether, you know, yeah. we're actually full on blatantly saying, you know, God created you for this, which we totally do. Or we're just simply saying like, you need to stop letting fear get in your way and start going after the passions and dreams that are in your heart, which is 100% biblical. Mm -hmm. You know, whether we're actually like saying the name of God or we're just giving biblical principles, he is still the center Mm -hmm. of everything that we're doing Mm -hmm. in our businesses. And I think so often the Christian world thinks those two need to be completely separate. Mm -hmm. Like either you are- you're not using God and your faith as like a strategy. You're just sharing it because it's the core of your life and it's going to come out like you said. You know what I think of when I think of this too? I think of Esther. Um, I remember when I was even just going back to your question a few minutes ago, Lindsay, um, when I was kind of trying to decide like, how do I go about this? Because I know I can really give these tools, but I also like, I, I just, that transition is never easy because of these beliefs that we just tend to have as a general Christian community. Um, and so I remember having that fear and that tension. I mean, it took me a year and two months to actually like do it, you know, which is good because like I said, you have to take that long, slow turn. But, you know, I remember talking with my mentor and I told her, I said, you know, do I make this like a Christian women's business thing or do I make it a business thing for women or a, a career and business kind of platform for women and and I show up as who I am. So it's naturally going to attract probably people who, who understand that, but not necessarily require, make that a requirement. Right. And I said, but how do I, how do I do that? And just like you were saying, I mean, it comes through no matter what, but I love how my mentor described it. She goes, have you, you know, if you look at Esther's story, Esther actually in her story never said the name of God, it's at least not like recorded, meaning she still did the work of God. And that's not to say like we shouldn't talk about God or we should just hide it. So that's not what I'm saying here. But what I'm pointing out is that she was obedient to God in that she showed up in the space that he asked her to go and took the risk and put herself out there and did it for the glory of his name and for the good of his people and mm-hmm. made this impact that now we're reading about thousands of years later, right? And I think sometimes we think like, oh, if you're going to do something Christian, you're going to have to write devotionals and be a Bible teacher. And in many ways, there's a season for that. I mean, I did that for a time and I'm sure I'll do that again down the road if that's what God calls me to. But that's not the only way to live out your faith as a woman of God. And I think 
Esther is such a powerful example of she's not sitting up there, you know, being Queen Esther and then, you know, giving sermons, but she showed up and did the work God equipped and asked her to do and called her to do in that story and in that season of her life. And I think that's exactly what we're supposed to do. So that's not to say don't be bold. That's not to say don't share your faith. That's not to say don't show up 100% as you are, but understand that every season of your life and in every place you're called to in the business sphere and everywhere else, there's going to be certain callings and certain tasks that you are entrusted to do and to walk into. And if you can own those with confidence that you're walking in obedience to the Lord, you have nothing to be afraid of and you have nothing to apologize for. Oof, mm. preach it. <laughs> Snaps for Jordan. <laughs> Claps. <laughs> so good. So good. Okay, Jordan, just kind of piggybacking off of like what we've just been talking about. I know that something Lindsay and I have had tons of discussions about and feel super, super passionate about is, um, you know, finances and money from like a biblical perspective and a biblical worldview. And I think so often the Christian world has this really uh, damaged view of money and like money mindsets and as business owners and successful business owners in the world as Christians, you know, we have to have a healthy view of money and, you know, how to steward that and handle that well. And I know you have some really powerful thoughts on this and we're, I think, all on the same page about this. So I would love to hear you just kind of even just touch on it for two seconds, just money mindset Mm -hmm. as a powerful, successful business owner in the world. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we, uh, like you mentioned, can have really damaged perspectives of money. We're often told money is bad, money is the root of evil, all of these things. But if you actually dig into this a little bit more, the fact of the matter is the accumulation or the earning and stewardship of money is not what's evil. It's the love of money that's the root of evil. And there is a very, very big distinction there. Money isn't an inanimate object. It is a it is a tool. It's just like a car, right? A car can be used for a good purpose to be a vehicle to get you from point A to point B, right? But it can also be used to hit somebody if you really wanted to. In the same way, money can be used as a vehicle to get you from point A to point B, from you know this state of you know a life to that state of a life, or to get to use to actually serve and give to someone else to get them from point A to point B, or to take a business or economy from point A to point B. So it can be used as a vehicle with a purpose, and it's not tied to morality in that regard. Now, what happens is when we twist and and distort the intended use of money into something that we use for, it's not to say personal gain, but at the expense of others, right? Or we become obsessed with money to where that's what drives our decisions. No longer does morality guide our decisions. No longer does uh, generosity guide our decisions. No longer does anything other than ourself and our, uh, our, uh, our accumulation of money, that's when it becomes greed. That's when it becomes uh, love of money. But, and I think there's a careful line to walk. I think we can all be susceptible to greed and to, you know, and you always have to ask, where's the line? And I think that varies in certain regards because um, there's certain times where you need more money to do certain things, right? To to build that nonprofit or to do that thing. But at the same time, um, I think we can really distort these two things and we stop seeing money as a vehicle to achieve a greater good. I mean, even when we're building businesses, it's not just for the good of our family. It's for the good of society. We're contributing to a con to the economy, which is 
actually indirectly, but also very directly benefiting a much broader spectrum. And so I think the thing that's important to remember is a couple of things. One, the biggest antidote to the love of money is cheerful generosity. Cheerful generosity is impossible when it is forceful giving, when it's somebody saying you must give this much to this person. But when you say, I, I freely want to give, that's when, and when you can do that consistently, it takes that love of money and that fear that tends to surround money away from it. And whether you have a million or, you know, $1 or $1 million, at the end of the day, you're using it for good, right? And so understanding that it's a vehicle, that your greatest antidote to the love of money or, the, or this immense amount of greed that is sometimes in many ways plagued our culture and therefore given, I think, Christians a very bad taste and a fear of making money successfully. Um, when you can practice that cheerful generosity, it makes money what it's meant to be, which is nothing more than a given and exchange, a tool that you can use for good or for not good. And on that same token or on that same note, I think the other piece that's so important to understand is when you make money, uh, but when it's truly building wealth and not the health, wealth, prosperity, gospel stuff that we're, that everyone seems so afraid of. It's not, I mean, as a Christian, I should be healthy, right? As a Christian, I can be wealthy. Um, and as a Christian, I can take care of myself and I can do good things. But when we get so caught up in um, the badness of money or the ways that money has been misused, just like anything can be misused or abused, uh, we miss the the truth that money is nothing more when when you make money if the other person is benefiting if both of you are benefiting then it is made it is amoral it is made in a way that is in from a place of integrity it is done right and so if if you're giving someone something a product a service whatever that they want and that they value at the right price point then them exchanging you know however many people exchange it you making that money is literally a very amoral principle in that it's not evil. It's not wrong. But I think we tend to associate like, oh, making money or charging a higher price or whatever, valuing our time is somehow evil. When in reality, it's saying, what do I value this at? What is it valued at? And those who are who agree, you're not forcing them to pay you anything, right? Those who agree that it is worth that value will exchange the dollars in, in exchange for that value. So understanding it that simply takes kind of the emotion out of it, I think. It takes the, the overwhelm or the fear of it out of it. And one last thing I'll share on this that was literally just shared with me an hour ago, I've been in a meeting and I was, there was this guy that was sharing on something and he's both a pastor and a mayor, which is funny, but he's involved in both the church space and the economic space. And he is very much aligned with the belief of like, we need to be in these different spaces and shaping and shifting culture, not just hanging out in like a church bubble, right? With it's like that verse that says you don't put a light under a basket. Right. And so anyways, his whole view viewpoint is so interesting. He goes, what is money? And the whole room kind of looked at him and he said, money is the representation of your contribution to society. Now, that's not to say other things aren't representative of your contribution, right? You have art and whatever. But the end, at the end of the day, you're also generally selling that art, right? You are selling those ideas and or, or um, that information. And so it's an exchange of value. And when you have money, it's, it's a representation of your contribution to the economy or to an industry or to society. And so I think seeing it that way, um, and there's a lot more to that. But I just thought that was such a powerful way to understand it and kind of take that emotional, uh, you know, 
I think, fear, fearful perspective out of it to see it very plainly for what it is and how it correlates and relates to what we do. Yeah. And that's so, uh, so good. So good. Lindsay and I have already like already have it on like our radar to have a whole episode just talking about like money mindset, because I think mm-hmm. it's so important, not just as, you know, as Christians and as believers to have such a healthy like view and perspective of money, but I think it's so important as business owners. Like if you have an unhealthy mm-hmm. relationship with money, your business is going to be directly affected because of that mindset. Mm-hmm. So so whether mm-hmm. you know you have a more poverty mindset where you feel like you're never going to earn enough, then you're never going to earn enough in your business. Like if you don't have a healthy perspective mm-hmm. and relationship with money, um, and I've, that's actually something I've been working through with the Lord and with my financial advisor. Um, the past like year and a half has been going through like my whole money mindset and going through the biblical principles of it and my worldview and understanding like here's, you know, this isn't the bottom line is this isn't our money. And like, this is, this is Mm -hmm. God's money that he has blessed me with as a successful business owner to then pour back into other people to pour back into, you know, his, his, uh, kingdom and his, you know, mission and like to be able to be useful and to be a powerful tool in the hand of God. Like, when we are mm-hmm. completely broken, completely like, like poor, have nothing to offer, we're we're sick mm-hmm. and poor and like visionless and just like a mess. Mm-hmm. That's not usually the prime chance for God to use us to like mm-hmm. change an entire culture or change an entire society mm-hmm. or change you know hundreds and hundreds of people's lives. Obviously, like I'm not saying God doesn't use like broken seasons or you know a broken mm-hmm. story to like show his power. Um, but that's just to say, like, you know, I believe that having a healthy relationship with money and understanding that, you know, wealth is actually usually when you have a good relationship with it from the Lord and a really, really powerful tool to like move forward and make an impact in other people's lives. That's when things just completely shift in your business. So I know we kind of touched on it. Just a- I've heard it said, oh, sorry, I don't oh, want to no, cut you off. I was just going to say what you said makes so much sense. The I've heard it said we're meant to be a pipe, not a bucket, yes. meaning like like you, it's like a healthy inflow and a healthy outflow, yes. a healthy inflow and a healthy outflow. I think sometimes where we have a damaged view of money is we begin to think of it like a bucket, like, oh, we just accumulate all this stuff. And we have all this stuff and we have all this stuff and we don't ever pour it back mm-hmm. out. And so to think of it like it's this like it, it's blessed, it's it's given to me to then steward well. I mean, I always think of the parable of the talents, yes. right? It's like mm-hmm. it's like the one who was who was praised was the one who took something, went and learned how to make more of it, right? And that doesn't even go into the generosity principle with the whole bi- pipe and bucket thing. But the point is, it wasn't the one who was just like, okay, I'm going to hold on to this, aka put it in my bucket and just hold my bucket. It was the one who was like, I'm going to go take this back and put it back out into the world. And then it's going to, and then invest it and see what more comes not only back to me, but then I distribute that again and I'm doing it. And this is the biggest thing. And this is a whole, this is a whole nother conversation, but, but I'm doing this out of the, out of my own generosity, right? What Jesus praised was willing, cheerful generosity. And I think sometimes in our culture, we think, oh, the rich people are bad. So we should take what they have. And I think sometimes we get that, that money mindset distorted. It's the ones who are generous. It's on us to change the culture. It's on us to make better. It's not on. And so as business owners, 
and we can, if we can think of ourselves as a pipe, regardless of, you know, whatever our wealth or bank account is, whether it's, you know, just starting out and small, if we can practice that, I, I mean, I've heard it said, like, if you don't give 10% or you don't give, you don't give a certain, it doesn't have to be 10%. If you don't give generously when you have a little, you're probably not going to give generously when you have more, mm-hmm. right? And so thinking that way and just always seeing yourself as a pipeline for God's kingdom, not a bucket to hold on to will inevitably shift culture will inevitably, inevitably create uh, social change. It will create environmental change. It'll create economic change. When the, the, when we decide to operate from that healthy mindset and consistently have a cheerful generosity mindset, it not only prevents us from having a love of money and therefore keeping a healthy view, but it also shapes and shifts culture. Ah. Gosh, this is so good, Jordan. <laughs> Just like in my closet, praise handsing up. <laughs> yes. So good. Yes. You just like laid down so much truth this entire episode, like just from so many different topics. Uh, just you've you've blessed uh, our ears and hopefully our listeners' ears as well. Um, I wanted to ask you, what's next for you? You've done like a bajillion things and you're kind of stepping <laughs> into the Owned Academy. Um, is there anything that's on the horizon that you can share with our listeners? Well, I am in a very, very much in a streamlined season. So I've, I've kind of gotten to the season where I'm like, I'm really stewarding this one thing. And this Owned Academy is one medicine ball with many minute, many medicine balls in between, if you will. And so, or in, within it. And so my biggest goal right now is to really zero in on that. Um, my husband and I are working full time together. Do, he has some consulting that he's doing on the side in the social media space since I have that background. Um, but for me, it's really starting the Owned Academy and then working on a second book. So <laughs> Ooh, yes. So stoked. So stoked for that. Yes. Yes, it is a long process, so we've got to start now. But um, no, I mean, just continuing to lean in to my community, lean into my reader base, pay attention to what I'm being asked. That's, that's really what everything is in many ways now. It's what's in. Res- I've done a lot of things that I've wanted to do, and I'm still choosing to do the things that best fit my skills. But what's what's going to best serve my community? What are they asking for? What's going to move the needle in their lives? And how can I lean into that and walk in that gap and serve in that space? And so that's really what my focus is for the time being. That's Mm. so good. Okay, Jordan, before we let you go, where can our listeners find you? Where can they find your resources and get connected with you and what you're doing? Well, thank you so much for having me on. First of all, it's been so fun to talk about these things. I absolutely love you both, and I love your community. And I am on all the social platforms, but the easiest place to find me on social is on Instagram at Jordan Lee Dooley. And you can find my book, Own Your Everyday, Overcome the Pressure to Prove, and Show Up for What You Were Made to Do on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Target, anywhere you find books, it's there. And the whole idea behind it and the goal behind it is to answer that question, how can I find my purpose? I have multiple passions, multiple interests multiple ideas. I'm trying to find find my lane. What the heck am I doing with my life? This book will bless your life. So you can grab it anywhere books are sold and I will see you on Instagram. <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much for being on our podcast, being our first guest, sharing your wisdom with our audience. We are so blessed to just know you and call you a friend. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to show up for our listeners. Absolutely. We love y'all. We're, I might, well, we, me and Matt, I speak on behalf of both of us. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Y'all are the best. <laughs>